If you have a copy of Scripture, go ahead and open it to 1 Timothy. We're going to be in the book of 1 Timothy. And um, so when I found out that I would be preaching, and so that's New Testament uh, towards the back of your Bible, if you're not familiar. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one somewhere around you in the pew in front of you. Um, and if you don't know where 1 Timothy is, then the table of contents is a beautiful thing. And there's no shame in that. Um, but like I was saying, when I found out that I was going to be preaching this morning, I thought, okay, well, let's just use this opportunity as, as 2019 is coming to an end and 2020 is about to kick off. Okay, well, let's just kind of pause and take a moment to have a conversation about um, just examining some things in our lives. And it's a great opportunity for us just to have a real good conversation about um, just looking back at this past year and looking forward to the coming year and the new, uh, you know, the new year presents a great opportunity for that. And let me just tell you too that this morning I'm going to be extremely practical, okay? Extremely practical. And so you'll just see as we go along, I, I really just want to be, I, I mean, just let's, let's just kind of bring it in and let's talk about just the basics and hopefully God can use that to, to grow some things in our lives and build some things in our lives. So this letter was written by Paul, and it was written by Paul to who he, the person he referred to as his son in the faith, Timothy. He loved Timothy. He mentored Timothy. Um, he, had, he had left Timothy in Ephesus to pastor the church there. And so what he's done here in this letter is he's writing to Timothy to, to help him in ministry there. He's got some things he wants to encourage Timothy with. He's got some things, some things he wants to instruct Timothy on. And so he's talking about church things. He's talking about qualifications for elders and qualifications for deacons. He's talking about how to handle false uh, false teachers and, and what to do in those situations. But in the middle of that, we get this passage in chapter 4 where he's talking about the good servant of Jesus Christ and what this looks like. And so we're going to have a conversation about how, how to grow, like what does God want for us and how do we grow in our faith. And, and so as we begin this conversation, in the middle of this is a great opportunity for us to look at how, uh, how Paul is encouraging Timothy to, to progress to progress and to move forward and to see those things in his life. And so what we're going to do is I'm just going to, I'm going to jump in real quick. We're going to read this passage, and then we'll just begin to unpack a few things, okay? So in 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 6. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of, of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and we strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by the prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. 
persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. So let's pray. Let's ask God to help us. God, we are so grateful for your word and how it is, is perfect in every way and is so, God, just you use your word to shape and mold us and make us more like Christ. And so we come before you and we confess that we need you. I need you. I pray that you would speak clearly to us this morning, that you would give us ears to hear, that you would help us to understand the truths found in your precious word. And God, that you would bring about great change in us as we move into the coming year, God. You want to see us grow. And so help us just to, to take a step in the direction in which you would have us to go. And so, God, we come before you this morning. We are expecting, expecting you to do great things in our time together. You're such a great God. We love you. We thank you for Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So let me, let me just reread. Now, these verses won't come up on the screen. Let me just reread, starting in verse 7. He says, have nothing to do with your reverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. While bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for this present life and for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving. It's like, you can trust what I'm telling you. You can trust what I'm telling you. For to this end, we may toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God. So here's what I want to do from the very get-go. I want to tell you where we're going, all right? So our life goal, if you notice the sermon title for today is life goal. What's, what's our life goal? What's God's life goal for us, for you and for me? Our life goal is to grow in godliness, okay? I feel like we try to complicate things, but like if we can just set from the very beginning what, what the life goal is, what is it that God wants for us? I mean, over and over and over again in this passage, he's saying, look, look train yourself for godliness, Pursue after godliness. This is value in every single way for the present life and the life to come. This is our life goal for the believer. And so, um, you know, I think, uh, so as we launch into this new, you know, this new year, um, I'm just kind of curious if anybody will actually raise that. How many of you have set, like, have a New Year's resolution? If anybody in here have a New Year's resolution or nobody has a or nobody's willing to raise their hand and say, I have a New Year's resolution. Okay, here's a, a little tidbit for you. 60% of Americans will make a New Year's resolution. Okay, and they, you know, New Year's resolutions, they take all kinds of shapes, forms. And, but really, you can, you can bring them down into just about three groups. One, either being health, right? So whether I'm going to start eating better or I'm going to start exercising. I don't know about you. I need some vegetables. Like these holidays, it's like I can't, everything we do is surrounded around food. And it is not, I mean, it's wonderful. It tastes amazing. But I need some broccoli, okay? And so a lot of times the new year presents this opportunity like, okay, I'm going to start making better food choices. Gosh, you ever start talking and then something just comes to I remember... <laughs> I'm not going to tell the whole story, but I remember I was with Matt at one time, and he had just eaten the biggest hamburger I'd ever seen in my entire life. Part of his face went numb, and he said, I've got to start making better food choices. I'm not kidding. Part of his face really went numb. Anyway, that happened. All right, but so health, whether it's, whether it's um, you know, whether it's I'm going to start, you know, doing more exercise, or I'm going to start watching what I eat, or I'm going to lose this many pounds, or whatever it is. 
Or maybe it falls into the, the category of finances. A lot of times people will make financial uh, New Year's resolutions. So I'm going to start saving more or I'm going to stop spending so much or I'm going to, this is the year, this is the year that I'm going to get out of debt, right? And so it, one of those two categories and then I think another one is also like just quality of life. And so whether it is, um, whether it's something like, okay, well, I'm going to quit smoking or I'm going to quit drinking or I'm going to start, start spending more time with my family this year or, right? And so they're, they're, that's, you know, we're not limited to those New Year's resolutions, but most of the New Year's resolutions that people will come up with will fall into those categories, all right? And so 60% of Americans will make a New Year's resolution. Now, anybody want to take a guess as to how many actually achieve those New Year's resolutions? It is astronomically high, or not. So this year, they just say this year it was, uh, it was like January 12th when most people fell off the wagon. So within, within two weeks of, you're right, you make this commitment, you're going to do this thing, and then you blow it, and you're like, well, there's always next year, right? But by the end of January, over half the people who made New Year's resolutions have just said, heck with it. Like, you know, we'll, we'll figure this thing out some other time. Again, there's always, there's always next year. And so by the end of one month, it's crazy. So I've been, uh, I don't, I've been going to the gym for like 30 years almost. I was thinking about that this morning. That's a long time. And so over the course of 30 years, you begin to see just this cycle of things, right, that begin to happen. And so this coming month, I'm going to get really frustrated at the gym because there's going to be 5,000 people in the gym. And, you know, by January 12th, there's going to be like 2,000. And then by the end of January, it's going to be the same 20 of us that were in there, right? It's, it, it's just how it's going to, how it's going to go. But here's the thing. 8%, 8%, that's how many people hold fast to their New Year's resolution. When I was growing up, I, uh, this is terrible, but when I was growing we're just being transparent, right? When I was growing up, I, uh, I grew up Catholic. I went to a Catholic school and, uh, Every year, I would, everybody would say, well, what are you going to give up for Lent? And I'd be like, I'm giving up my New Year's resolution, right? And, and like, I would be, and, you know, it's funny, but that's what, by that time, most people have already just, most people have already given up. And, and so we see this cycle, but it's fascinating to me as to, like, why, like, why is it, do, do, we, do we not see this through? What, what is it that keeps us? Because honestly, every one of those things that I mentioned, and look, that, like I said, it's not limited to those things, but they're all good things, right? We should, we should save more. We should spend less. We shouldn't be in debt. We should pursue uh, being healthy. We should do those things, right? We should want to spend more time with our family. We, right? they're, they're good things, and we make them with good intentions, Right? Like we really want to be better and we want to, to do better. But why is it that so many of us fail? Why is it that we don't see them through? And so as I was thinking about this, I was just thinking about, I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons. I think there's a lot of reasons why, but I think the two big reasons are, number one, we make unrealistic, uh, we have unrealistic expectations. So we set these lofty goals that, we set ourselves up for failure before we ever begin because we said, you know, we're going to, I'm going to lose 50 pounds this year. 
okay, and then, then what? You know what I mean? And so like we set these, these expectations, and then when we don't see the progress, then what happens is, is we, just, we just throw in the town. So we set these things. So like for a believer, it might be that, hey, uh, so for instance, let's say you, you've never really been disciplined reading your Bible, and you're like, I'm going to read my Bible in a year. I'm going to read it through in a year. Okay, well, you just set yourself up for, for failure. And so these unrealistic expectations. And we live in a world, number two, we live in a world that is instant everything. Right? If we want to lose weight, we take a diet pill. If we, right, if we have to wait for longer than three or four minutes in the drive-thru, then we're, we're furious. We, I mean, it's, it's crazy. If you want to know about anything, I mean, you literally pull out your phone and within, within seconds you can have the information which we want. And so it's, it's, it's microwave. You, you with me? I mean, everything is instant. So we want those things instantly. Instantly. And it has affected us in many ways. And so it's really affecting like this next generation. I mean, so, so many people will graduate high school and graduate college. And then all of a sudden they want to have the things that it took us a lifetime to acquire. Like it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. And so what happens is, is we set these goals and maybe they're unrealistic. And then we, we're two weeks in and we're like, well, I don't see any change. Well, should we see change in two weeks? You know, I'm going to lose 50 pounds, but I've only lost two. What's the point? Throwing in the towel and I'm going to get me a Big Mac. You, you with me? It's like, so I think there, there are some reasons why we, why we tend to fail. And so as we begin this conversation, I, I just want to say, okay, well, is it, what about for Christians? Like, what, what about for Christians? What, what is it that God wants for us? Is, is it wrong to, to have a New Year's resolution? For a believer, well, no, it's not wrong for, for us to have a New Year's resolution. But is there, something, is there something better? Is there something more that God wants for us? And so let's just begin with this, with this statement. God is more concerned with a lifelong goal of growing in godliness than some temporary New Year's resolution. Okay. God is more concerned about a lifelong goal of growing in godliness than some temporary New Year's resolution. And so as we end the year and we move into the next year, uh, you know, I, I stopped setting New Year's resolutions. That's just me personally. Uh, but I don't know that I ever really did. But I don't focus on that. And so and whether you do or don't, that's irrelevant. But the point is, is at the end of the year and as we begin a new year, it's a great opportunity for us to, to examine ourselves, to reflect back on this past year, to think about the things that God has done, the things in which, uh, you know, the mistakes we've made, the victories we've, we've seen, to look at all those things, to begin to look forward about what's ahead. So to, to kind of just stop and, and look where, where you are and where we're going. And I... I do this both personally in my personal life, my personal walk with Christ, but I also do this in ministry. And so if you're involved in ministry, you should, you should stop and reflect about uh, how God's using you and the things in which you're doing. And if there's something maybe better or a different direction, maybe God's taking you. And so it's a great opportunity for us to stop and reflect and examine ourselves. So in verse 16, I don't know if you noticed it, but Paul says this. He says, keep close watch on yourself and on your teaching. And he's saying, look, 
stop and you need to stop every once in a while. You need to examine your life. You need to examine the things in which you're doing. You need to examine your ministries. And if you're not involved in any ministry, well, then I would say, why not? Because God has called us to ministry. And so he's saying, like, you need to stop and you need to examine. And we examine ourselves not based on uh, not based on what we see around us, but what we do is we, ba- we examine ourselves according to the Word of God. Okay, and so we hold up Scripture and allow Scripture to point out the things in us that aren't the way in which God would have us to be. Okay, so we're looking to Scripture and letting Scripture do, do its job. So in, in, Hebrews, uh, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and 13, this will give us a good uh, idea of what I'm talking about here. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of the soul and of the spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give an account. And so let Scripture do its work in us. And so we allow Scripture to do surgery on us and show us the areas in which our life, in our life which aren't lining up with with what God has for us. And so as, as we talk about growth specifically, as we're specifically talking about this issue of growing and growing in godliness, well, what does Scripture have to say about that? What does Scripture have to say about that? So just a few, just a few verses uh, in Philippians 1.6, actually, that was which was referred to in the video we watched. Uh, am I, I, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 3, it says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you're not ready. saying, like, I fed you with milk, and by now you should be, you should be on to me. In Hebrews, he says this, he says, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For this, I'm sorry, not for though, by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. So here's this clear, this clear expectation. If you're a child of God, there is this clear expectation for every believer to grow, to grow in godliness, to become more like Christ. Okay, you agree with that? I mean, you can't, again, we're letting, we're letting this do its job, okay? And we're not comparing ourselves to the people around us or what other people are doing or what's going on here. Like, we're letting God's Word do its work. And it's saying, God is saying that there's this clear expectation in Scripture for you to grow, for me to grow. It's right there in front of us. Here's the problem. If we're not careful, what happens is, is we can create this loophole Christianity. And we can, we can deflect we can, we can deflect it and say, okay, we're really good at seeing Scripture and say, okay, here's what it says so clearly, just like those three passages that we just read. Here's what it so clearly says, 
And yet here's what we go and do. And we can discount it and we can, right, we can, we can explain it away. And so what we can do, if we're really good at coming up with excuses not to do the things that God has called us to do. We become very good at that if we're not careful. We'll come up with all these things to justify our disobedience. And we'll say things like, well, you know, nobody's, nobody's perfect. Or, you know, I don't really see anybody else doing this, so really is, is it that big of a, of a deal? And, and it's just what we do. We, we play these mental gymnastics where we can come up with a reason for not obeying the Word of God. Well, that's in the Old Testament. I, you know, that really doesn't apply to us anymore. Well, God's a really forgiving God. And so, and then I, I also was thinking, too, just about how I feel like in different seasons we justify differently. And so if I'm a teenager then it's like, okay, well, I'm just a teenager. When I grow up, then I'm going to really take this serious, you know, when I get a family, when I get a... And then what happens is, is maybe if you're in a different season and you do have a family, and you're like, man, life is crazy. It's chaos. I'm so busy. Like when I... Like when things settle down, then I'm really going to get serious about pursuing growing in godliness. And, and maybe if you're past those days and you're, you're a little older and you're like, well, I'm retired now. And so, like, I just want to chill. I want to relax. I want to... And if we're not really, if we're not careful, we can just even use the seasons of life in which we find ourselves in to justify away walking in obedience and growing in godliness. So we got to be really, really careful. Because if a lot of times what happens is, is when we run into something we don't like, we're just like, hey, hold on, give me just a minute and I can come up with a reason. And it sounds really good as to why this doesn't apply to me in my current situation. And that's, that's a very dangerous place to be. And imagine how... Like, it, it, when we put it like this, it will begin to make sense. Like, how crazy that type of thinking is. So if you have a job, or if you've ever had a job, what if you applied that same mentality to, to your place of work? You get a job. They tell you you need to be there at 8 o'clock. You get off at 5 o'clock, right? You, you have these clear expectations, and you show up, and you're like, okay, well, you know, I'm really not a morning person. Sorry, I should be here by 10, okay? Like, I, I, I should probably be here by, by 10. Hope that's going to be okay, right? And I know, that, I know that I'm not supposed to be on, off on weekends, but I really like the weekends. And so I'm just going to take off Saturday and Sunday instead of Thursday and Friday. Because let's just face it. It's way better being off on the weekends, and maybe you're not a morning person. And maybe there's these clear instructions about what your job title is and the things in which you do, and you're like, yeah, but I'm not really feeling that. Like, I'm more gifted in napping. And so I think every afternoon I'm just going to take a nap. So if we take that mentality, clear expectations, this is what we see and we know to be true, what's going to happen to us in that setting? Are we going to stay employed for very long? No, we're not. We're going to get fired. That's what's going to happen. We are going to be unemployed. And yet so often what happens is we come to the Word of God and we see, okay, well, God expects, there's this expectation for growth. Yeah, but I'm not, I don't really, I'm not really a reader. I don't really read. So reading my Bible is, and I don't really have time for that because, Right? 
I feel like, uh, now it doesn't work like this, but I feel like when it comes to faith, I think a lot of people will get fired if it was the same type of, same type of, you know, we came to our, our Christian faith the same way that we came to a job and the way it worked like that. So we got to be, we got to be careful. And so we clearly see, all right, I just want to set the framework. We clearly see there is this expectation for every single believer, whether you are five years old or 95 years old. There is this clear expectation for us to be growing in godliness and growing in our faith. Period. End of discussion. Okay. So, how have you grown how have you grown spiritually this past year? Because you got to, we got to wrestle with that question, right? If, if, if God is calling us specifically, I mean, there's tons of things we could talk about, but if God is calling us to grow, how have you, how have you grown this past year? Have you grown? In what ways are you growing? Like, it's a good opportunity for us to stop and pump the brakes and examine our lives and our walk with God and our ministries. Like, that's, that's just true. And so I, 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 think that, I think that this can be discouraging for a lot of people because we, you know, we begin this conversation and we're, we're talking about, okay, well, we know that God has this clear expectation for growth. Um, but here's where I am. And here's where God wants me to be. And there is this huge gap between the two. And we know that God wants to see growth in our life, but, but here's where he wants me, and here's where I am. How am I going to lose 50 pounds in a year? Like, it's pointless to even, to even try. And when we don't see this growth immediately, and we don't see this instantly, then we just give up. And we, so here's, let's go back to this original statement. Like, what's the goal? What's the goal? The goal is to grow. The goal is growth. So, so if you stop and ask the question, it's like, okay, well, how do we get there? How do we get from where we are to where God wants us to be? How do we get there? Well, where is there? What's the goal? Well, the goal is to grow in God. Okay, I can do that, all right? Like, I can, I can position myself to allow God to do great things in me. And so for us, the goal isn't perfection, it's progress. The goal isn't prog- uh, perfection, it's progress. We, listen, perfection is coming when we breathe our last breath. God will make us perfect, but as long as we're in this body, then we're going to struggle against our flesh. We're going to struggle with sin, and we're going to be in a battle from the day we surrendered our life to Christ to our last breath that we breathe, Okay? And so in this life, goal, God is not interested in you being perfect. He's interested in you progressing and moving, moving more to the person in which he created you and I to be. He's wants to, his desire for us is to, see, is to see progress. And it's about the journey. In verse 15, he says, uh, he says, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your, your what? Your progress. So that others might see our progress, all right? And so God is about the journey. God is about, look, our goal isn't to get there this year. Our goal is to begin to close the gap, okay? 
And so here we are. Let's just, let's just take a step in that direction. Let's not get overwhelmed with setting these big lofty goals that we can't achieve or attain. Like, let's just take a step in that direction and let's just close the gap. Can we do that? Can Can we say, okay, my goal this year is to grow in godliness. I just want to close the gap. I just want to close the gap. Can I just do that? In Ephesians 3.20, the Bible says this because we need to make this point before we can get to the super practical part in which we want to get to. It says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. And so when we submit to following God, when we submit to growing in godliness, when we submit to what he's calling us to, then he's able to do far more than we could ever think. That's who he is. He's a much more God. That's what he does. That's who he is. But understand something, that it's the power at work within us. And so this isn't, this isn't new year, new you, right? And I think a lot of times it's presented as that. New year, new you, you're going to do these great things. No, it's new believer, new you, okay? That God breathes life into us. We were, we were dead in our trespasses. And then when we surrender our lives to Christ, he makes us new, gives us the ability to live the life which we could never live. And so he empowers us to do things through the Holy Spirit that then lives within us. And so it's not new year, new you. You and I are not capable of bringing about the change that we want. You, we can't do it on our own. That God is the one who does that in us. And so we've got to come to the place. If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, you're never going to grow in godliness until you take the first step. Okay? And so we've got to, we've got to begin there. The starting point is a relationship with Christ because we don't have the ability. Now, in order to grow in godliness, there are things that I need to leave behind and disciplines that I need to start. In order to grow in godliness, there are things I need to leave behind and disciplines that I need to start. All right? Does that make sense? So there are things that we need to, we need to leave behind. And, and here's, here's, here's my goal this morning. Just one thing. If, we can, if every single person in here, and if you're not a believer, then number one thing is, okay, that's where we start. Those, are, those who are in Christ, like what, what's one thing? What's one thing? It's one thing that God's calling me away from. What's something that God's calling me to, to leave behind so I can be who he created me to be and begin to close the gap towards that. And what's one thing that I need to pick up? Some discipline that I need to begin or a discipline in which I can begin to grow in my life. Okay? So let's just focus on one thing. So in verse 7, the beginning of verse 7 says, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather train yourself for godliness. So what, what Paul's telling Timothy is like, there, there are things you need to have nothing to do with because they're just going to hold you back. They're just going to hold you back. Later, now this won't be on the screen, but um, I was just reading through 1 Timothy this morning. Later in, later in 1 Timothy, in verse 11, after he's had a conversation with Timothy about contentment and the danger of the love of money, he says, look, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Okay? You need to flee things that are harmful, that are hurtful, that are going to keep you from being who God created you to be. And you need to pursue, pursue other things. In Hebrews 12, 11, it says, Therefore, 
since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And so he gives us this, this picture of a race. There are things that we oftentimes carry and hold on to that slow us down, that keep us from, from closing the gap, this, that we need to begin to say no to. We need to learn how to say no. We need to learn how to, to stop. I, I uh, last... Not this week, but the week before. I told, so I told you I've been going to the gym for a while. Um, so every time I walk out the gym, they, I don't know who puts a pizza place right next door to the gym, but it's painful whenever you walk in like you're hungry. And uh, so last week, Suzanne had, uh, she had something going on at school and I was at home by myself. Goose had something else going on. So I'm like, I'm, I walked out the gym and I'm like, I'm getting pizza. I literally walked out of the gym, and I walked over, I walked in, got the pizza, walked out the door, and I'm like, man, like I wanted to do that so many times because it smells so good, and I'm like, yes, and I went home and I ate half the pizza, and uh, now there was a time when I could eat the whole pizza, I can't do that anymore, but, but the point is this, it's like, what if I built my whole life around that principle? Going to the gym, and I leave there, and I go get, um, you know, go get whatever it is, whatever it is, you know, supersize me, right? And so, go get my cheeseburger, go get my fries, go get my milkshake, go get my pizza, go get, right? And, and so, it, it makes no sense. Do you think that a professional athlete, like, that's their diet? That's what they're, no, there are things that you have to leave behind because you know that if you continue, like, it's pointless. What you're doing is not, you're never going to see any progress. Agreed? You're just kind of maintaining. You're just kind of keeping your head above the water. You're just treading water, just kind of just maintaining, staying where you are. But you're never going to, I would never see any progress if every time I left the gym, I walked over and got me a large pizza and ate the whole stinking thing. It doesn't work like that. And so there are things in life, but it was really good that day, I'm just saying. But, but there are things that we need, to, we need to just leave behind. We need to leave those things behind because they're hindering us. They're slowing us down. And sometimes, you know, sometimes those things are sin. Sometimes those things are, you know, thing that we, things that we know that God's it's not in God's will for us. Like, it's, it's hurting us. It's hurting the people around us. We know that there are times in life, and it can be anything. It can be um, just, just having idols, pursuing something, thinking that that thing is going to bring you satisfaction and purpose and meaning in life. Or maybe, you know, maybe it's gossip, or maybe it's what, what you watch or what you're looking at or what... Maybe it's a group of people who are influencing you in a negative way, and you know that they're influencing you in a negative way. So maybe it's, maybe it's sin, but maybe it's not sin. Maybe it's, maybe it's actually something good. But this thing is keeping us from, from God's best, from what is, for what is best for us. And it's like, okay, well, maybe there's something, maybe there's something better. In verse 8, he says, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds its promise for the present life and for the life to come. He's saying, look, there are things in life that aren't necessarily, it's not bad for you to, to pursue personal health. He's saying, like, it's, that, that's not bad. But what if, what if we're giving way more time and energy and effort to the things that really aren't going to last past this life is, is really what he's saying. What if we gave the same 
energy and focus and effort to things that are going to, to help us in this life and the life to come. That's essentially what he's saying there. He's like, okay, well, we need to, we need to begin to have this, this conversation. So maybe it's, not, maybe it's not bad. So I was just thinking about how, um, just how our culture just it shapes us and it affects us in a lot of different ways. We live in a time where we are beyond busy all the time, all the time. We are constantly going from this. And if you have small children or teenagers, then this is even more so true for you. But like we are, but it's not just limited to them. I mean, it's, it's the same for, it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter. I mean, teenagers now, I just think about all the way, they're constantly going, and it's never a break. It's like you go from this season to the next season to the next, and to the next thing, and, the, and you get through this one thing, and then it's the next thing. And it's the same thing true for us. We're constantly going, 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 and we leave zero margin for anything. We leave zero margin for anything. And so that's a dangerous place to be because when we fill all our time, when we give ourselves constantly, we have no room for anything else. We have no room for anything else. And so we fill up every minute of every day and we leave ourselves zero margin. And a lot of people, they'll have their kids involved in everything, in everything, constantly, all the time. And it's just we end this one thing and we just move on to the next thing and we move on to the next thing. And, and, and if we're not careful, we just fill all our... So what if we, financially, what if we, what if we spent... Right up to what we make. What have we spent? Right up to the edge. Zero margin. Well, I'll tell you what happened. That's why so many people, when New Year's rolls around, they're like, this is going to be the year that I'm going to get out of debt. Right? Because what happens is that leads us to, it leads us to debt. What if, what if we, just financially speaking, what if we spend everything? That leaves no margin Leaves no margin to use our finances in a way in which glorifies God, to be able to give freely, right? And so what if we spend everything, and I'm not just talking financially, I'm talking about us. Like what if we spend ourselves so much that we leave nothing left to give to God and to growing in godliness? So we have to be careful. And the thing is, is in our, in our world, we have... We have access to everything. We have access to things in a way in which we never did before. And so we better learn how to say no. Because we have access to everything. And so we've got to be very, very careful. And we can only truly give from margin. We have to have margin to give. And that's true spiritually. That's true financially. That's true um, emotionally. That's true with everything. Sometimes, uh, sometimes something will come up and, uh, and be like, okay, well, we don't have anything to do that day, but I'm going to say no because I don't have anything to do that day. You need to do that. You need to, you need to say, there are things that, like, maybe this isn't the best thing for me. I need, to, I need to have a day. I need to have a day. I need to have some time, all right? And we don't spend everything so that we can be free to use it to serve God the way in which he'd have us to. Here's a statement. I'm, I, I'm just going to say this. And it is, if we're not careful, it can be really true. 
And it's on your listening guide. Maybe a good, good topic of conversation for you when you leave here and go to small group. Most of us schedule the Holy Spirit right out of our lives. Most of us schedule the Holy Spirit right up out of our lives. We fill our calendars with everything else and leave no room for God to do his work in and through us if we're not careful. And so we've got to be extremely, extremely careful. We don't want to get to the place where we don't have time to be sensitive to the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We've got to leave margin for that. We've got to have, we got to have gas left in the tank so we can give to the most important things, the best things. And then here's a, a totally different uh, direction for us. Uh, question. What do you think the average... Uh, how much time do you think the average teenager spends uh, in front of a screen in a day? Screen. Now, this is, this is all screens. This is, this is uh, television. This is computers, watching videos, um, on phones, on iPads. How much time do you think a teenager spends, the average teenager in America spends in front of a screen every single day? It's going to blow your mind. When I heard this statistic, I was like, that can't be true. Over nine hours a day. Over nine hours a day. All right? Over nine hours a day. Now, how, how, much, time to, how much time do you think that average adult spends in front of a screen daily? It's just, I set you guys up for this. I wanted you to think how bad teenagers are. Hey, I love you guys. I'm with y'all. I'm just saying. It's pretty much identical. It's, it's literally just minutes apart. Over nine hours a day. And be careful to think, gosh, how do people do that? Because if you begin to start paying attention, you'll realize, wait a minute. Maybe I'm closer to that than what I, than what I thought. You know, there's a... There's a thing on your phone. You can look up and see your, your screen time for, for every day. And that's just your phone. That's just your phone. We're not counting television. We're not talking about computers. We're not talking about iPads. And, like, and so we begin to realize, okay, well, we're filling our, our time and our minds with all these things. We're like, I don't have time. Well, wait a minute. Maybe I, I, do, have, I do have time. Maybe I need to begin to say no to that. One of the things that me and my wife are doing this year, and uh, when we started having this conversation, she started asking questions. I said, I think I'm going to do this. And uh, so we started having this conversation, and uh, then my son was around, and he started saying, well, yeah, but what about this and what about that? So I, I'm thinking this year that one of the things we're going to start is we're going to start uh, taking a digital Sabbath. And so a couple times a month, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn my phone off for 24 hours. I'm going to stick it in my nightstand, and I'm going to go on about my life. And I'm going to spend time with God without any distraction. I'm going to spend time with my family without any distraction, without any text messages, without any. And immediate, when I say that, immediately, many of you in this room, you start coming up with all the reasons why you could never do that. Right? And I'm not saying you should do that. I'm just telling you what I'm going to do. I did the same thing. I'm like, well, I'm a pastor. What if somebody needs to get a hold of me? I'm like, well, what did they do before we had cell phones? Right? We haven't always had cell phones. Well, what am I going to do? And so my son was like, well, what are you going to do about listening to music? And I'm like, 
I'm going to turn on the radio. <laughs> Suzanne was like, how are we going to do this? Like, are we, you just going to like cut off your social media? You're going to turn, like, I'm going to cut off my phone. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn off my phone. And I'm going to, I'm just going to step away. And so for many of us, like maybe, maybe you're not going to take a, take a digital Sabbath. Maybe, but maybe you need to, you need to say, I need to step away from social media for a while because I spend so much time. I spend so much time and I waste so much time. And I say I don't have time to grow in godliness, but the truth is, is it's just because I fill my time with other things that not necessarily bad things, not necessarily bad things, but things that in the end, they don't, they don't matter. So maybe once a week you say, hey, I'm not getting on social media. Maybe, I, I don't know, but the point is, is like over nine hours a day of screen time. Many of us, a lot of times, will just, we let screens babysit our kids. And we're going to, look, in, in about a month, we're going to be having a whole conversation about this. We're going to go through a series that's going to be really, really good. But it's also going to be a little, it's going to be a little difficult too, but um, so this isn't the last time we're going to have this conversation, but I think it's a good conversation to have. It's like, okay, well, well I don't know. What, am I, what do I need to stop? What do I need to say no to? Well, what is it that consumes you? What is it that's like, okay, this fills up so much of my time that doesn't leave me, uh, doesn't leave me time to do the things that, that really matter? All right. Second part is we need a new discipline to start or to grow. We need a new discipline to start or to grow, okay? So in seven, uh, the second half of verse 7, it says, Rather train yourself for godliness. So this idea is that we need to, we need to train ourselves. We need to move forward. We need there's things that we need to go. And if you asked me, if you said, All right, so Brian, what's the one thing? Like, what's the one thing that I need to do to start growing in God? Like, the biggest thing that's really just had the most impact on you spiritually, in this area of growing and God, like, just tell me this one thing that I need to do, right, so I can begin to do this. Well, first of all, I'm not the Holy Spirit, so I'm not telling you, all right? Like, you need to go to God with that, but the point is, is it's, not, it's not just one thing. It's not just one thing. It's, it's a lot of different things, and people think, okay, well, if I just do this one big thing, then I'm going to, well, it's not just one big thing. Next point is this, small disciplines done consistently lead to big results over time. Small disciplines done consistently lead to big results over time. Long obedience in the same direction. Okay? Small disciplines done consistent, consistently lead to big results over time. Long obedience in the same direction. It's faithfully walking out obedience day by day. Faithfully walking out obedience to the Word of God. Faithfully walking out obedience to the Spirit of God moving and leading us in our life. So we got kids in here this morning. We don't have kingdom kids going on. So a lot of kids. Um, how many kids in here, like one of your favorite things, like getting measured? You know, in our house we had a wall where the kids would get measured. Many of you had that maybe growing up. You had kids or uh, you, you, you are a kid, or, right? And, and so you would measure. And we didn't measure from day to day. Agreed? Because it's pointless. Now, my kids wanted me to because we want to grow. Like when we're a kid, we want to grow. We want to see growth. We want to see how much we've grown. And so your kids, they'll go through these growth spurts. 
right? And so there's these seasons where they grow more than others, and that, that's true in life. But we don't grow more in a day, at least not where we can actually see. But if you, if you measure your child and then you come back three months from them and you measure again, then all of a sudden you begin to see you begin to see growth. That's why I think it's important for us not to, not to measure our growth day by day, but at the beginning of the year, it's a good opportunity for us to reflect back from where we were a year ago and what, what God's done and what he's taught us and the way in which he's growing us over the course of the year. And what happens is, is those small disciplines that we begin or that we grow will begin to close the gap. Remember, we just want to close the gap. And those things will begin to close the gap from where we are to where God wants us to be. And so for me personally, and look, this isn't a pat myself on the back. I'm just going to tell you. I just want to be transparent kind of tell you some of the things that's worked for me. Like for me, it's been I just want to start, I just want to start a new discipline every year. Just one discipline every year. Okay, what's something new that I can begin? I feel like God's wanting to grow me, an area in which God's wanting to grow me. What can I begin? And how can I grow? How does God want me to grow the disciplines that I already have in place? Okay? That's what I do. And here's the thing. I, I surrender my life to, to Christ in this church um, going on 19 years ago. So, two decades of doing that, okay, then I've been able to look back at how amazing God is and, and who I was the moment that I surrendered my life to Christ and how he has been faithful to grow me through the process. But it's been two decades. A lot of times we look at people in our life and we're like, gosh, why can't I have that kind of faith? Well, just take a step and begin to close. Just take a step and allow God to, to use that step to close the gap from where you are to where he wants you to be. And so what, is it, what does it look like? What does it look like? What does it look like? And, and I think it's different for, for all of us, but the point is, is it's true for all of us too. So as I was talking about how we oftentimes like to explain things away in different seasons of life, I think it looks differently in different seasons of life too. So for, for somebody, like it might be that, hey, you're involved in something, you're involved in some type of service or ministry, and you, like, you know God's been moving you away from that. You know that. Like your heart, does, you are not vested the way in which you at one time were. And you've been holding on to because it's been your will. And you need to let go of whatever that is because God is moving you to something new. Okay? And so it's going to look different for us as teenagers than it is for somebody who's retired. It's going to look different. But the point is, is we never stop growing, including the guy with the microphone attached to his face, including your pastor. We never stop growing. And we can't give up and say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm retired or I'm this or I'm that. Like, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't say anything about retiring in Scripture. God wants to grow us. He wants to grow us. And so for me, I just started thinking back. This whole thing has been just good for me to reflect on just how good God is. And so I can remember, um, you know, uh, so we're talking about the gym a lot today, evidently. I can, uh, I, can remember, um, I can remember the moment. I hadn't been saved long, and I can remember I used to get up early when my kids were young. I would get up early, early, early and go to the gym because my time with them was extremely important. And so I get up early. But then I just started thinking, like, I, I'm, 
I'm giving all this time and effort. To, I mean, this passage right here, like, th- this isn't a bad thing, but I'm not investing in my relationship with God. Like, I don't know the Word of God. I want to spend time with God and His Word. And so I'm like, okay, well, before I go to the gym, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to spend five minutes with God. I'm going to spend five minutes in God's Word. I know how important this is for me. And so I was like, okay. And then five minutes became 10 minutes, and 10 minutes became 15 minutes, and 15 minutes became 30 minutes. One of the greatest things in my life that totally just revolutionized my time in the Word of God, which I never would have thought possible, is journaling. Like, it's crazy for me. But, like, I start right as I'm studying God's Word. God made it clear. Like, it was, and this was several years ago. God God showed me, he's like, you need to become a better student of the Word of God. I mean, I'm in ministry at this time. I'm like, and God's like, you need, to, you need to become a better student of the Word. You need to know the Word better. And so, um, you know, one of the things I did was start journaling and God, and just studying more and spending more time and, and knowing what God says so that I can do what God says. And, and so, like, it totally revolutioned. Like, I'll start writing and God just begins to speak and show me things that maybe I didn't originally see. But here's the point. Some of you, maybe you don't, maybe you don't read at all. You don't spend any time in the Word of God. Here's my question for you. Can you spend five minutes, five days a week? Do you have five minutes? And if you don't, then you need to just cut off five minutes of those nine hours of screen time. Okay? Just five minutes. And say, this year, I'm not going to read my Bible in a year. I'm going to spend five minutes a day with God and His Word. I know how important this is. I remember uh, my prayer life when it began to just like I knew that I needed to begin more, uh, just become more faithful in my prayer. And a lot of times early on, I would just pray as I was going. A lot of, again, we're, we're busy people. Well, here's the problem. Jesus would get away from everything and everybody and he would go and pray. I think the Bible teaches that we should pray continually as we go about our lives. But we also should make it a point to set apart specific time to spend time with our Heavenly Father in prayer. We need to get alone with God, not just driving down the road, not just while we're doing our makeup or fixing our hair. But we need to make it a point to say, okay, look, there was as busy as we are, we can't say that nobody's been busy because Jesus was constantly People were constantly just, just coming to Jesus with everything. He was always pulled in every different direction. He never, he never got, he never, he never scheduled the Holy Spirit out of his life, and he always made it a point to set apart time with God. I told you last time, so I preached um, at the end of last month. I told you guys one of the things I did because I just wanted to become more grateful. I feel like I'm more content. Um, when I'm more grateful. And so I started a gratitude journal a few years ago. When I started that, I was just like, hey, I'm just going to write down something every day that I'm grateful for. And so the first year I did that, I said, all right, I'm going to hit 300 this year. The second year I did that, all right, I'm going to hit 400. This year I was like 500. It's not like I have more things to be grateful for. It's just being more aware of the things in my life that I have to be grateful for. And so I hit 500 things this year. My goal for this coming year is to hit 600. And just to reflect on the goodness of God in his life and be grateful for the things. And, and it become, I become more aware of God's hand active and moving and working in my life. And so these are just specific things for me. Like maybe you want to do a better job of encouraging. Maybe you want to be a more of an encouragement to the people around you. Okay, well, just say, okay, well, I'm going to send one note. I'm going to send one card a week. I'm going to send one text a week. I'm going to make one phone call a week. 
when somebody comes on my mind and my heart, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for, for somebody. Like, I don't know what it is, but it's just like, okay, I'm going to be more intentional. Maybe you're wanting to be more generous. And you're like, okay, well, what do I, like, how do I do this? One of the things that we did this past year, and again, I just want to grow. And this isn't me patting myself on the back. But one of the things we did was we added in, uh, in our budget, we added in, like, just a line item in our budget. Just generate, just give away. Just give away. So every month, I look, I'm looking at our budget, and I'm like, oh, we got to find somebody to give this money to or to buy something for some you you with me and like begin to just think and to keep that in front of us like so that we can begin to become the generous people that God has shed out his generosity in the most unexplainable way through Christ to us like how can we not be generous like how can we not how can we not some of you are like a budget what's that (laughs) well Good for you. Dave Ramsey's kicking off, I think, next week. You need to get with Lyle. Maybe that's what it is. Like, I just want to have margin in my life so that I can begin to be generous to the people around me. Allow God to use me to be a blessing to the people around me and pour out his love through me. And right now, I'm just not in a position to do that. And I need to learn how to do that. Well, Dave Ramsey kicks off, I think, next week. And so you need to get with Lyle on that. And so we go, look, here's the thing. Discipline's hard. It's difficult. I'm not saying that it's not. I'm not, by nature, a disciplined person. I'm not. Most people are not disciplined. Most people are not. That's why Jesus tells us to take up our cross, to deny ourselves. He's going to call us to do things that aren't natural to us. He's going to call us to do things that maybe we don't want to do. We need to learn to say no to ourselves and say yes to him. And that's what we need to learn how to do. And so discipline's different. But you difficult. So are words. Choose your pain, though. Here's what I want to tell you. Choose your pain. The pain of discipline or the pain of regret. The pain of discipline or the pain of regret. Because there's pain either way, and you can choose your pain. Do you want it to be the discipline? Yes, it's going to be hard, but it's worth it. As you look back, and you're able to run up to, you're able to run to God and say, God, measure me. Measure me. Have I grown the same way a kid does whenever they're growing and they're a child and they come to their dad and they're like, hey, can you measure me today? Like, maybe that's the thing. Like, we run to God and we're excited about, like, yes, like, would you, dad, measure me? Like, he wants to grow you. He wants to grow me. And so, we come to this place where we examine ourselves. How have you grown in the past year? How does God want to grow you in the coming year, based on who God wants you to become, what, what one discipline do you need to begin? And what one thing do you need to leave behind? What is it in order to grow in godliness? I'm going to leave you something that was so profound. This is going to blow your mind. If you change nothing, nothing will change. Right? If you change nothing, nothing will change. 